What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Surf and Sales podcast. I'm Scott Lease here with my good friend Richard Harris. And today we are joined by a former colleague of mine at Qualia and a fantastic sales leader and now founder of Rose and Dagger Sales and Business Consulting, Glenn Ladd, here on the other side of town in Austin, Texas. What's up, Glenn? How's it going, guys? I'm, uh, I'm just trying not to turn into a piece of bacon with it getting up to 105 degrees all week. So if I can manage to do that, we're in good shape. Yeah, we're, we're, we're in good shape. Richard, I don't know if you are aware of this, but uh, Glenn and I are often mistaken for each other. He's just, you know, a younger, slightly better looking version of me. I don't know about right now, man. Like I was, I was gonna, I was wondering what the beard would look like today. Cause I'm starting to look like Ted Kaczynski right now with COVID going on, but, but you're looking was, good, man. You're looking it was, good. It was time. It was time for me to, uh, to start fresh, get rid of the beard. It'll come back though. Don't worry. I'll, I'll catch back up to you in about uh, six, weeks. six weeks. Sounds good, man. Yeah, looking so. forward to it. Um, I did, I did not know that you guys got the look alike, but I can see that. So I'm, I'm glad to know that Scott has a body double or vice versa. So that, you know, when you need somebody to sing for each other, it was great to connect with you and, and meet you and, and get to know you a little bit. Um, obviously we got to, you know, always start with our, with our sponsor lead 411. We want to thank them for sponsoring the show. Um, if you're looking for better qualitative data to be used um, for prospecting and lead generation and by all means check them out they've got a cool google pro plugin, as well as intent data and things like job alert changes so please check out lead 411 so so glenn talk to us a little bit about let's go personal quickly right um sure let's talk about how how you met how you went met scott where did you meet scott so yeah that's actually a pretty that's a that's kind of like my origin in sales and in Austin, actually. Um, so I met Scott. Um, he was the VP of sales at Outbound Engine at the time. And I had just moved from Midland, like literally had just unpacked my stuff, had gotten a job with Outbound. Well, was looking for a job after being in oil and gas for about six years. I was just really just trying to figure it out. And um, Scott at the you know what he would do is he would bring in huge classes of people and before he would hire them he would sit down with them for about 30 minutes and i knew about scott prior to um prior to going to interview with him um had a suit and tie on and uh sat down with him and uh him and i shared some similar experiences and just in terms of you know, trials and tribulations in our lives. And so we sat down and connected on that. And like what? Uh, it was like, what are, like, and, and this is the important part, right? We talk about personalization and stuff in sales. And I think it's really important in, in a leadership capacity and, you know, finding the right fit. Right? Uh, so what are the things that you guys had in common, if you don't mind sharing? Yeah, I, I think that it's, I think that we just went through a prolonged period of personal trial that were outside of our control. So Scott with his health issues um, and overcoming that, uh, which really is what it is. It, it's, you know, th these things happen to people and it's something that I talk about pretty often too, which is like having a victim mentality versus having like a warrior mentality. And it's really easy to sit back and just, you know, ruminate on how 
bad of cards you were dealt and then just pointing at all of the obstacles in your way as to reasons that you're not overcoming things. And so, you know, Scott dealt with that on the health front for a long time and then just, you know, bit down on his mouthpiece and said, I'm just not going to accept that. Um, I, my, mine wasn't the same. Mine had to do with family health issues with my dad getting really sick. And when my younger brother and sister were really young and having to take care of them for a couple of years while, you know, my little sister had just had a little boy and she was still in high school. And then my little brother was 14 years old and came to live with me. And, you know, I was fresh out of college and I just had to figure it out. And it wasn't, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, you can go a couple of different ways. Uh, I'm sure there's a million different ways you can go, but there's really two big paths there, which is like you overcome and you figure it out and you just like grind and you, you, you do the tasks that are in front of you to, to, to get over it or you don't and you, you start pointing fingers. And so um, I, I specifically remember knowing that I had made the right decision when I put all my stuff in my car and drove to Austin after I had talked to Scott. But I also didn't take that job, so I took a different job. So, uh, but we we stayed in touch for a long time, and I I've just gotten really lucky, man. I've I've gotten really fortunate to put good people around me who have high character and really care about their people. And um, Scott was, and I'm sure you know a lot of his listeners know this too. That if you reach out to Scott, he he everything he says is genuine. And if you're genuine back to him and you come with him with real questions, he'll give you a real answer to it. And, uh, and he, and he means it. So why do you, so it's always interesting. Cause I, you know, I know Scott at a personal level, like you do. Um, Scott, I want to turn it around, right? Like, do you look for that, you know, victim versus warrior mentality or is it just some yes, but you've never thought about it that way, or is that what you're always looking for as a leader? Well, I mean, that <clears throat> that phrase is all is all Glenn. I mean, that's that's like not my phrase or anything like that, but it, it makes complete sense to me. Um, I've always, I think, because of what I've been through, I just I kind of gravitate towards people who have compelling and complicated pasts and who've been forced to deal with challenges. Um, you know, grow up fast, whatnot, figure things out. I mean, you listen to Glenn, like he didn't phrase it that way, but like he's fresh out of college and all of a sudden, you know, he's the man of the house. Like he's raising a 14 year old brother. He's my, he didn't phrase it this way, but he's like sort of parenting his younger sister and probably being a parent to his nephew and, and whatnot. And like most people his age straight out of college aren't, aren't dealing with that. And like, did what he needed to do in the oil and gas industry. And you're talking about Midland, Texas, Richard. Like this is the equivalent of, you know, the armpit of America and like the debt, the Bakersfield, Fresno, Modesto, like stretch of California, right? Like there's, there's nothing there. Right. So he packs up all his shit and comes to Austin. And, and so that type of, you know, um, initiative and uh and drive and just like willingness to do what it takes to change your life like that is something that i have always looked for in candidates you know that i that i hire in any in any role whether it's a you know ae role or a leadership role or whatever you know by the way too i have to say this shout out to midland midland's actually as as tough as scott is on it midland's a great place with some with some really good people in it so um yeah 
like likewise to Fresno yeah. and yeah, all these other places totally. in Bakersfield. Yeah, I'm, I'm really disappointed that uh, I let down all the listeners in Midland and Bakersfield. <laughs> good, good. So, um, Modesto. So, so Glenn, were you always, um, you know, the, the typical salesperson, right? Is sort of this hyper competitive athlete kind of thing. Were you competitive in that? part or was it more like competitive in life because of the cards you were dealt or both? Um, I, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I, I was, I mean, I grew up playing sports and, um, and loving that. I, I think that I kind of, I think I've got a little bit of a different mentality though, in terms of competitive. And that is that like, I'm, I, I am really not competitive towards other people. I'm competitive towards myself. And, and I think that that's kind of a mentality that I adopted when I was, when I was younger, that it's just, you're not competing against anybody else except yourself. Like you can't worry about what other people are doing, but you can worry about what you're doing. And so if you're making yourself better every day, um, then, you know, then you're making yourself better against the people that you're actually competing against. Um, so yeah, I, I've got a, you know, I grew up, playing soccer and team sports, playing football, basketball. Uh, I wasn't really great at any of them. Um, I, I, I boxed, I ran track. Um, I, I really resonate more with, um, I think at this point with the individual pursuits, like, you know, Scott did tennis. I, I was a boxer and kind of going in there where there's nothing to hide behind and you, you can't have a bad day. It's, it's all out there for people to see. And so when you've got that mentality, um, I, I think that that translates really well to sales that, you know, that so sales teams are a team environment for sure, but you've got to show up and you've got to be competitive with yourself and, and um, have the, wherewithal to, to show up every single day and have fundamentals in place so that when you're having the worst day of your life, you're leaning on really good habits to get you through the day and help you stay consistent. So you, I think that that you, answers your question. No, it does. And then I'll, I'll stop and let Scott answer, ask some stuff, but were you in sales when you were in the oil and gas industry or did you, were you just like, I get out of this place, I got to get out of this job and you know what, screw it. I'm going to go to sales. Like, yeah, I, I mean, I technically I was. It was more not inside sales, but internal sales, kind of selling myself. Um, but it was it was more of what I did was called the landman, and I would piece together chains of title. So it was all really technical um, record tracking, and then I would also do the sales to the uh, the people leasing the minerals, which is the easiest sell you'll ever do because people own minerals. We want to buy it from you or lease it from you. So it's really just finding them and getting in contact with them. But um, I mean, throughout throughout my life, I've always been pretty gregarious. I've enjoyed talking to people and and, and solving problems too. So um, yeah, this was a big leap for me. Uh, when I came to Austin, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I honestly didn't really know what sales entailed. Like I, I thought that it was just talking to people about a product that you have and they'd either buy it or they wouldn't. And, you know, we're, we're fortunate to be, I think, in one of the best and most collaborative environment for sales, not just in the country, but in the entire world. I mean, there are so many bright salespeople, individual contributors and managers alike who are really creative and also, you know, are 
don't have the ego to not share that with people and see that there is a value in, in sharing the mistakes that they've made and the track that they went on to improve themselves because all of that stuff comes back around, you know? I, th- I think that's something that has changed quite a bit in the <clears throat> almost two decades now that I've been in, in sales. I can remember living in San Francisco and Richard, you can agree or disagree with this, but you know, 15, 20 years ago, I remember thinking that anybody who was leading sales orgs was keeping all of their secrets to themselves. And like VPs didn't want to talk to other VPs and like share what was working and, and what have you. Um, 100% agree. And I was probably one of them. Yeah. But then, you know, Seriously. When I, yeah, when I moved to Austin, like nine years ago, um, I immediately felt like Austin was a little bit different. But I think really what has happened is just that whole mindset of like keeping things private has completely gone by the wayside and everything in sales and sales leadership now is much more like open source, right? I also think that's generational, right? That might be be as well, yeah. so, So my opinion on that is that, you know, Gen X, we didn't have the ability to easily find information. It took a ridiculous amount of effort to get, you know, if you think about it, to go to the library, to get a book, to buy a book, to whatever, right? As opposed to, you know, millennials who just, who have grown up that way and they shared and they talked in a very different way than they did. And they have pushed and pulled Gen X into this. And, and, you know, I think I, I think I finally started to get it right after I started working with you. Cause I was probably a little bit like that when you and I first met. Um, so my, so I, my, I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. So my, qu- my question for Glenn is, you know, and I, the listeners might not know this, but like Glenn spent time at Main Street Hub uh, and then spent time with me at Qualia where he finally did agree to come work with me. So, you know, Glenn's like, got, you got a pretty good picker, one might say, right? On, on, on paper there. But I also know that you've, had some tr- troubles and, and challenges when trying to work with other founders and business owners. What I want to know is like, what have you seen changed in the, in the environment and in the sales climate for like trying to find the right place to go in your time in tech and in SaaS? How is it different now and what should people be looking for when they're going to figure out where they want to you know, spend the next couple of years of their career? Yeah, that's a that's a really good and and complicated question. Um, yeah, I, I've been very fortunate to to have gone where I went, um, and and that includes my my failures too. You know, there there's a couple places that I went that what I was pitched looked great on paper. Um, I thought I did a good job doing due diligence, and once I actually got in there, the opportunity either wasn't what I thought it was, or the product wasn't what I thought it was, or um, the, you know, whatever it is, there's things that just did not, um, didn't add up. Uh, And and some of those were cases of, you know, people doing doing their best to sell me on something. And I don't think that there was anything nefarious, but I mean, there's there's also nefarious people out there with nefarious motives, and th- those are really difficult to, so what, to back out on. So, what were those things that, you know, hindsight being twenty twenty, mm-hmm. for those who are going through this, uh, and we you don't need to name names, but sure. what are those things that 
that you're like, oh, that's what this kind of meant, or oh, I'll watch out for this next time. It's kind of hard to say because the the one experience I had where I was completely had the wool pull, pulled over my eyes, they were presenting me with like figures and data that just were not correct. They were just completely made up. Um, so my my advice to people, and I mean, this is something that I personally believe in too is just build people equity and build a network and people that you can talk to who, who can tell you and accurately advise you on what a company is about and what people are about. I, I think that that's where I've, I made uh, a couple of mistakes is, you know, not having some sort of connection to people who were inside of the company before I took those roles. Now that's not always available. And sometimes there's going to be an opportunity that you're not going to be a, like, it's, it's worth taking a swing at it. Um, knowing that things that might not shake out the way you want to, but if you're really vetting a company, I think that it is important. And I mean, the best way to go about it is to talk to people who are either directly in there, um, even better than that is to get a connection who's outside of there who can link you up with somebody who can give you some factual information. I, I had a call with somebody yesterday who I didn't know, but was asking me, you know, what I thought about a specific opportunity with a specific company. Even though I don't know this person, I'm always going to be honest about that stuff. I'm, I'm not here to try to protect people or companies from, from bad practices just to um, maintain a reputation with them. I'm, I'm you know, I, I prefer to tell it like it is. And I think that that's something that I, I think the whole community would benefit from is being able to accurately tell people what they should expect positive and negative from a role and just being realistic about it instead of trying to sell people on it. So I, again, building that trust in that people relationship with people so that, you know, you know, the person that you're talking to feels comfortable shooting you straight, I think is important and making sure that you're building foundations where you can give real answers is, um, you know, again, not something that's always available, but if you can find that, that I think that that's a good way to help that who you're talking to. You know, Richard, <clears throat> this will come as no surprise to you, but um, I'm not always the most energetic, bubbly person out there. And, you know, just in case you didn't know that, Richard, um, sometimes I can be a little bit grouchy or just a little bit quiet and more reserved. But one of the things that I love about Glenn <clears throat> and uh, one of the reasons I brought him onto the team and felt like I needed that dynamic is, is Glenn is like eternally positive and optimistic and full of energy. And you have a big sales floor and, uh, you know, people need that and gravitate towards that. And, and that's one of the things I've always admired about Glenn. Like, it doesn't matter if he's pacing, you know, 0% to goal or 150% to goal or anywhere in between. It's like, he's there every single day firing people up and, and staying positive and coaching them. And, and that's what attracts people to him. How do you process mentally, Glenn, like all the garbage going on in our personal life or work life and what have you? Um, how do you process all that and, you know, keep the brave face on and stay positive with all of your, your team members all around you and keep them, you know, kind of pumped up? 
Yeah, I, I think it just comes down to making your focus really small, making it the, the next step in front of you, um, keeping things as light as possible and as realistic as possible. But if you can find the thing that kind of breaks that ice and breaks that tension, um, then you're getting a lot of the stress out of the way so people can focus on the goal. So that's always been, and I think Scott's seen this too, especially with like morning huddles and things like that. I am there to, you know, wake you up, to make you laugh and to, to get you going before I go and I check in with what the day looks like. Cause if I can help them either, you know, distract them from like the, you know, the, the pressure that's going on around them, um, and, and kind of liven them up a little bit, then we can go and talk about what is the, what is the small thing? What is the next step that we need to do today? Okay. How do we get there? What's the goals? So if we can do it in a way that is kind of just gets to a person and resonates with a person, either with, um, you know, loosening them up, uh, that's when you can go in and, and give them tasks and give them, you know, the real side of it with that positivity on top of it too. So it, there's, there's kind of two things going on here too. And I, I'm sure if you talk to most of the people that I've worked with and managed too, like when I'm in front of you and you know, we're, we're, we're talking on the sales floor, there's a lot of motivation going on. And then when we're talking behind closed doors, we're getting into the fine details of like, here's, here's where we're at. This isn't good or bad. It's an opportunity and, and here's a solution. And, and so then go with the motivation. Yeah. So I, cause I, if I heard you correctly, you actually come in and try to pump them up before you really do your, here's what we're going to do today speech. Oh yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. Which is, so, which I think is counterintuitive to a lot of management, right? Like I think a lot of us, you know, it, it would go out and say, okay, well I got to go do this and tell them what our goals are for the day. And then I'm going to come on the floor and, and encourage them to be better but now that I hear you say it, it's almost like you're you're parenting them, right? Okay, here's your job. Now, come on, you can do it. You can do it as opposed to, hey, you can do it. Let's get going. Let's get going. And then come in and coach them on the day to day. I really, I really appreciate that. It's something different than I've experienced or seen. So that's pretty good. Um, just out of curiosity, because we are in a unique situation, right? We're in COVID. Uh, lots of people still remote. Um, lots of people challenged with all kinds of other, you know, schools starting for me next week, um, you know, all those kinds of things. How would you motivate a team now, right? How would you, every morning in a remote world, what kind of things would you want to say to the team to keep them going before you get into the day-to-day? -day? Because otherwise, right now, it's so easy to fall under the grind so quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so first of all, really good question. The, the, Motivation doesn't really change. And so the, the way that I, I've always motivated people is to just really understand who these people are. Um, so, you know, I, it, it's, it's obvious and it's pretty fundamental that you need to know what your people care about to be able to inspire them or motivate them. But if it was obvious, I mean, it, there wouldn't be 10 million sales books if people stuck by that, you know what I mean? So what I do is just try to get to know my people uh, really well, try to connect with them on some level, um, be able to, uh, you know, joke with them a little bit and also 
figure out what their goals are. If they don't have goals, help them define those goals. So we can connect on a level where they feel comfortable talking to me, telling what their challenges are. And then uh, we can also figure out a path that is actually motivating them for the short term or the long term. And for some people, that's their career. For other people, like in, in Scott's book, it's, it's buying a car so they don't have to Uber to work. And it, but it's finding that connection and finding a goal because, you know, a lot of people who get into sales, especially, you know, if you're getting in as like an SDR or something like that, I would say a majority of them are just looking for a job. They're not necessarily thinking about sales as a, as a career path or anything like that. So if that's not their career path, you need to figure out something that's going to resonate with them. And that works whether you're inside the office or outside of the office. The, the thing that I think you've got to focus on right now is what I call proactive procrastination. It's like, I've got these set of goals to hit my personal goal. But before I start making calls or start, you know, prospecting, sending out emails, doing whatever it is, I need to clean my place up. I've got to make sure that this place is clean before I start doing stuff. Or like, I've got to do these other personal things. And once I get that done, that's when I'll do that. And just kind of getting out of their flow. Um, so I had, that's- I had, I had a roommate in college who would, before he would do his homework, he would just make this list of all the different homework things that he needed to do. And I'm like, dude, this homework breakdown that you're doing, you're just wasting time, dude. Why don't you just do the fucking homework? Yeah. Right? So that exactly. proactive procrastination, man, that just like totally resonates with me. Oh, totally, man. Yeah, it's something, I mean, everybody avoids doing it, right? Like I do it sometimes too. And then what I have to do is like pull myself back and be like, what am I avoiding and why? And like, how do I get myself back on track? It's usually whatever that next goal is, whatever that actual motivation is. And it's just like, hey, man, it doesn't matter if the my, I dust it under my desk. Uh, what matters is that I'm getting this stuff done for, for myself and for my people. Richard's on mute over there. I'm not saying anything. I, of course I'm on mute. You said my mic was shitty, so I got nothing to say. But I do like the phrase proactive procrastination. I was writing that down. When as as you're as you're moving through your um, world right now and helping businesses grow and and, and whatnot, um, I'm curious. What are the first couple things that you're saying to founders and companies right now? Is like, oh boy, I can't believe you guys haven't done this. Right. And I, I'm, I'm asking because I, I'm going to assume that it's the same thing that I end up saying to people um, and the same advice I give to people who are going into their first VP of sales gig. So what do you what do you see that's missing in these orgs who have been struggling to get, you know, an outbound sales motion off the ground? And what advice do you have for new uh, new heads of sales? Yeah, for sure. So there, there's a few different things. So there's a kind of a multi-pronged question to that, but I mean, the, the biggest obstacle, I, I mean, I've seen recently with dealing with business owners and people who are looking to scale is like a sincere resistance towards investment in the right systems for, for tracking and also the right people so that you've got the, the things in place to test. Um, and so it's not just anecdotal, it's you've got empirical evidence behind it. And also that you've got the right people 
who are, are experienced and creative enough to create something to actually test that. Um, so I would say that's the biggest resistance point. I kind of like, so, you know, in, when I grew up, my, my parents were very frugal. And so, you know, the guy, pretty much anybody who is doing any sort of trade work around our house, he did, he or she did not do that full time. It was like somebody would be fixing the sink and they'd be like, Hey, can you, uh, can you build a fence? And they're like, yeah, I mean, I, I can try kind of thing. So, but if you care about something and most business owners care about what they're doing, they should really put forward the investment to get, you don't need a ton of people. You need the right people to start out with because the right people will put the right systems in place to actually be able to scale. And that's when you can bring in newer people or, or entry level people because you can coach on that because it's already been vetted out. Um, one, who, are, who are the, who are the right, the right people? Like, let me, let me, let me rephrase. If you're hiring for the first two or three or four salespeople in the org, what are you looking for there that is different than when you're hiring for the 50th or 100th salesperson in the org? Yeah, I think that you've got to find some some people with some strong sales acumen who understand a pro the process and the process that you're trying to work, who can take a pitch and or a product and and pitch it to you for you know firsthand and see beyond just that surface level of you know why people buy and go to the the real reason and be able to point that out and present it in a way that um, is is going to resonate with the people and also too just uh, grit you know that people need to show up and have a real set and agenda of things that they want to get done personally and they're they're not going to stop until they get that done so it's kind of it's a couple of different things there's a there's a level of experience that needs to be there and then also the the grit and the work ethic to actually get it done um and to, to stay inspired to get it done. How, how are you testing for grit and kind of inspiration, intrinsic motivation? Um, it's really hard to get right. You know what I mean? I mean, I've hired thousands of people and, uh, you know, I had to let go of a lot as well and gotten it wrong many times before. And I don't think there's a sales leader out there who can nail it every single time. But like, I'm, I'm one of the things I'm always curious about is, you know, how is everybody else testing for this grit as you, as you phrased it? Yeah, I think that that for me, what I go back to is what, you know, kind of what inspires you and why, what do you want to do? Like going, going into the nitty gritty there. I don't think that there's a silver bullet of a question, but what I'm trying to get out of them is what is your character? And, and how did it get to this point? And I, I'm, I'm like you in that I am naturally drawn to people who have challenging experiences that they overcome. Every now and then, you know, you're unfortunately fortunate enough to get put in front of somebody who just went through that experience. Um, and, and then there's also people um, who, you know, might not have had that unfortunate thing happen that really challenged them, but they still just have it in them. So I, you know, it, it's hard to really pinpoint that, but if you can ask questions that pull into their character and um, 
honestly kind of like a chip on their shoulder you know i'm i'm coming to get this done and i am not like this isn't for you it's for me i'm doing it for me kind of thing um those kind of questions and pulling that out of people versus people who are just kind of like, I don't really, you know, I'm here because I, I need a job and this is, I like the product and stuff like that. It's more about who they are as a person. Do you find it? Go ahead, Richard. No, I was, I was just going to say, I, I love what you said of like, how did you get here? Tell me your story, right? Um, I know Scott will ask about adversity sometimes in, in their life, how they faced adversity. I've asked questions like that too. Um, what are the things that you also try to avoid based on some of those answers? Like, just like, okay, you know, like I would not avoid someone with a drug or alcohol problem anymore. I used to, I think I learned from Scott not to do that. Those are actually some of the best. They're going to have more drama in our, in their lives in general, right? So a lot of people will avoid the drama. Um, those are convincing salespeople in a positive way, not in a negative, not in a manipulative way. Mm -hmm. Are there are there certain things that you're like, okay, that still doesn't fit, even though it's grit? Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, it's just I, I think that there's a lot of complacency out there, and I think that there's a lot of people answering the questions the way that they think that you want it to be answered. Um, and and no, not, people, how do you? How do you figure that out how do you how do you what's the trick in being like oh scott's bullshitting me versus richard's you know really authentic uh, just follow-up questions i mean honestly such, yeah, it's, such as? well uh, you know so if if i had asked like why do you want to be here and they're like this is the perfect role for me and i've been searching for this for a long time okay what makes it the perfect role how did you, you know, like, why, why, what about this product? Like, you haven't worked here, so you don't know what this is going to be like. So what about you is drawing you to this? Like, ideally, what are you looking for out of this opportunity and out of this role that's actually going to inspire you? And just kind of getting deeper and deeper until you get, I think, till you get to the end of the road, which is where you start to see character. Because those, those kind of answers run their course after a while. And you're either going to continue to go down that road and figure out like if this person, if there's actually substance to what they're saying, or are they just going to keep going around in a circle here? So I think that it's just kind of getting to the core of who that person is. And you can't get to that with the first question. It's kind of just like sales, you know, you're asking a question, you know, it's going to go one of two, you know, a few different ways, um, or it's going to go the way of figuring out exactly what this this person is about and it's kind of uncovering like peeling back these layers so you can figure out who this person is and i don't again i don't think that there's a perfect science to it i also don't think that i am always going to be the person who gets that out of them just like if i am working with somebody i might have to pull scott in or i might have to pull you know a ryan heafy in to say something that's actually going to resonate with somebody Whereas, you know, Scott might not be resonating with somebody else and has to pull me in to get something out of them. So I, I think that you, you, to, to get that out of each person, I've got my own system. 
Sometimes I don't get what I'm looking for and that's okay. Uh, but I think that it's just asking questions with the proactive goal of getting to who this person really is and what they're actually about and seeing if that actually jives with the organization and the culture that you're trying to make. So I want to, I'm going to shift this a little bit. Um, Scott's known as a great sales leader. I've worked under him. Um, he hired me and I've learned a ton from him. What is it about Scott that you found to be good leadership. I'm not going to tell Scott. What I want is I want for those who are leaders or those looking for leaders to go, oh, this is the kind of leader I want to work for. Um, or, you know, you know, where where was Scott tough but fair kind of thing, which I think he is. Um, what, you know, what are the qualities that you really got to know Scott beyond the personal and the, and the, you, the similarities of some of your strifes really resonated with you? Yeah, I, I mean, for me personally, it's like what Scott asked for is what he wanted. Um, so there wasn't there, you know, I, I think that in a lot of relationships, not just professional relationships, but people don't actually know how to articulate and tell you what they want and what they need done. And with Scott, it was just really straightforward. And so, I mean, the feedback he he would give me, um, I mean, I think that a lot of people could interpret it as harsh, but I, I think that that's actually real, real empathy. Like, you're not helping anybody by beating around the bush and telling them, like, you're doing a great job when they're not doing a good job. You, you need to be very direct and like, look, these are the problems that, that you are creating for yourself. Here is how you solve them. And here's what happened if you don't solve them. And so, so is there is there is there a real example that you can give? Look, I've told it on this show many times, you know, Scott once kicked all the managers off the sales floor um, because we were not paying attention to something that we should have paid attention to. Um, and he was right. But it was like, you know, we all commiserated the bar. Man. What the fuck is he doing? But um, he, to your point, he was right. He was harsh, but he was fair. I'm curious what your experience might be like. And, and again, I'm not trying to pick on Scott. I, I want people to understand what leadership looks like. And for those leaders who maybe are afraid to do these things, like you can do it. Right. Um, and for salespeople to also hear like, oh, you know, that is empathy. He's caring, even though it hurts or stings. So I'm just curious about the yeah, situation totally. where you, that he, he puts you under. Yeah, I've actually got two in mind. I don't know if Scott will remember these, but I remember them. I don't know. Um, if I, want, I don't know if I want to remember them yet. But no, I, I think that they're great examples of what you're asking for. So as as we know, like Scott is a, a phenomenal at at LinkedIn, and that is not something I took seriously at all until I met Scott. And he would tell me the reasons why I needed to do that and just get over like my aversion to social media, which I still totally have for everything other than LinkedIn. But I, uh, I, would, li I, I would hear him and not listen to what he was saying. And I remember it specifically in a huddle where he was training on LinkedIn and using it as a tool to uh, kind of meet your customers where they are um, and, and that is LinkedIn in a lot of cases. Um, and one of the things he said and kind of put me on blast is that, um, you know, 
Glenn wants to be a VP of sales, but he's never going to be a VP of sales until he starts to take this seriously and gets 10,000 followers or 10,000 people. Now I have 21,000 people in my network. And, um, and it's because Scott made me take that seriously and he was right. Um, and so for, you know, it's, it's about teaching people lessons in the right way. He, He was trying to teach me that lesson individually, but he knew that that would resonate with me if he put me on blast in front of, you know, my associates and my peers and, and also make it personal to me because he knew I wanted to be a VP of sales. Gentle, gentle blast. Gentle, yeah. blast. gentle blast. Gentle, gentle blast. What was the so, other example? That's, but that's great. Like, that's exactly what I want people to hear is that you can still, that is what coaching is, right? It's not just coaching the good shit, right? It's finding a way to coach other things in a positive way. Yeah, I mean, totally. And, and, and two, to give you the other side of the coin on that, it's about, it's about picking your spots and knowing what's actually going to resonate with, with the audience and who it's meant for. Um, and, and so there was another um, uh, situation where I was writing a script for a team and I was really new to the, to the industry. I was, I was new to script building and, and things like that and uh, had rolled out what was just a disaster of a first draft of a script uh, to, to Scott and to some of our C-level people. Um, Scott publicly defended the, the script and was like, this is a great start, you know, it's, it needs some work. And, um, and, and, you know, like we'll sit down and talk about this awesome start, great stuff. So publicly he put that out there in front of our, our CEO and CTO. And then behind closed doors was like, this is, this is terrible. (laughs) And we need to go through and line item this out. But he did it in a way that was like, I see what you're trying to do. And was, if he had done that to me, you know, put me on blast in front of, you know, other leaders at the company right out of the way, I, I don't know what that would have, you know, done to me that early on, you know, but he had the awareness and the leadership to put the right messaging out there to the right people to make, and then that made me feel protected. Then he sat down with me and we, and we rewrote the script and made a much better version. And I learned a lot doing that. So Scott, do you, do you remember either of these stories? Just out of curiosity. Yeah, I I actually, I remember both of them to be honest with you. So, and so from your frame of reference, anything missing like well here's here's a part that maybe glenn didn't realize here's another piece that of of why i was doing it or how i chose to do it this way um that's sort of from the management side uh you know with with the first story that there was a handful of other people in the room and you know i want i wanted all of them to be more active and you know kind of want all of them to move into sales VP, you know, level leadership roles and, and what have you. And so, you know, I've, I've talked about this before on other episodes, but like a lot of it had to do with our recruiting, you know, and trying to make Qualia appear to be the best place in all of Austin to go if you want to learn about sales. And I wanted to have an entire sales leadership team that is viewed as, you know, superior and the best in, best in the area, right? And thought leaders and dropping you know, interesting tidbits and coaching and knowledge all, all the time. And so that, that was, that's the part of it that, um, you know, maybe 
he didn't speak to there is like some of the intent is, is around the recruiting boost that you can get and how much money you can end up saving the company that way and how much more marketable you are as a VP of sales. If you can say, Hey, you should hire me. I could, you know, make one post and get 50 candidates tomorrow. Right. So some, some of that. Um, and I wasn't, I picked on Glenn in that moment specifically, but I easily could have picked on a bunch of other people in the room as well. But part of knowing your personnel is knowing who can I kind of poke at today and, and have them be okay, right? And so I, luckily for me and Glenn, I picked a good day that he was, you know, in a good frame of mind to be able to accept that, that kind of feedback. Um, as, and with the second example, you know, there's a lot of times where managers present things to VPs and the VPs like, this is not that good, right? But if, if you're a manager and you have the opportunity to present something, not just to your boss, the VP, but also to other C-level executives, it better be in better condition than like a V1 draft, right? Because they have no context and they hardly interact with you. And candidly, like people make judgments, Right. So like if, if Glenn goes into this C-level meeting and presents this new pitch for this brand new product line and it's way off base and it sucks and everybody else in the room thinks that way, like I would worry as a VP that everybody above me and next to me at the C-level is going to look at my guy, Glenn, and be like, this guy is not good, doesn't know what he's doing. And I, don't, I can't have that happen. Like. That's a, I don't want him to get pigeonholed that particular way, right? So I think maybe part of the lesson there that maybe I ended up telling Glenn later on was, you know, look, man, if you bring something to the table with all these other people there, all these other stakeholders, it needs to be a cut above what you would just bring me, right? Like, I'm okay. We have that relationship. You can bring me V1. I'm be like, come on, dude, get, do better. Bring me V2, bring me V3, right? But like, when you bring something to people who are not your boss, it better be pretty good, you know? Um, and so that, that's part of the, the lesson there was like, this should have been brought in a more polished, you know, fashion. That's how I remember it. That's really cool. Like that, it's nice to have the, both of those perspectives to sort of see it. Um, so, so Glenn, you know, I don't even know if we've asked, you know, what it is you do. I want to, we need to sort of wrap up, but let people know what you do, how they can get a hold of you um, so that you can help them as well. And and then um, I know we'll have one more question after that. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. To, to kind of plug myself a little bit, I, uh, I'm uh, the name of my company is Rose and Dagger. Uh, you can find me at Rose and Dagger, all spelled out dot co dot com. Or uh, you can reach out to me via email, Glenn with two N's at Rose and Dagger dot co. Um, and yeah, right now I'm working with businesses from startups all the way to more mature companies on advising them from from everything as far as like building a sales team are they are they ready to do that what sort of uh, tools that you need to have to uh, achieve what I call business resiliency um, that's something that I think was lacking a lot in, in this covid um, situation where it's like you have to move from an inside team to an outside remote team how do you do that and how do you do that without 
losing your tracking efficiency uh, effectiveness and still be able to monitor the people and and still scale uh, the team as well uh, and then also just with teams looking to scale their sales team looking at another look at their pitch another look at their process their prospecting all of the above so um, what I what I like to do is work with orgs to not just build out their sales team but also tie that into a holistic business um, system that works with CS and marketing and things like that so everybody knows what's going on and uh, they can all work together but um, that's how you can find me, uh, Glenn with two N's at rosendagger.co or, or check out my website, uh, rosendagger.co or hit me up on LinkedIn. Um, but that's what I'm working on right now. And uh, I've got a few clients Scott, and it's going, going right. Scott, apparently your message fell through. Glenn, all you need to say is hit me up on LinkedIn. Like, come on. Hit me up on LinkedIn. Scott, Scott, Scott coached oh, you on that maybe, years ago. Maybe I'm doing it. Maybe I'm doing it wrong. Maybe, maybe. Maybe I'm doing it wrong. I I don't think so, man. It it looks like right now everything that you're doing is is, is right and hitting the exact market should. Um, and well, yeah. So our, our, what can, what can we do? Question. Go, oh, ahead, go ahead, Scott. No, you I go for it. I was going to say we usually end every show by saying, "How can we help you?" Got any questions for us? That type of that type of thing. Man, I just introduced me to, to good people who are hungry and looking to like do something innovative. Um, you know, I, I, I talk about this a lot. What I'm doing right now, I'll talk to anybody about their business and try to come up with some sort of solution or value that I can offer to you um, right now. And it's it's hard. I, I would say one of the big challenges is just finding you know, sharp people who whose mission is aligned that you resonate with. And if you can do those things, uh, that's great. And um, yeah, so if you're, if you've got some interesting sales question, or you're looking for a new role or need advice on managing people or anything like that, I'd, I'd love to talk to you. Cool. We'll do we'll do man. And uh, appreciate you spending some time with us. Good to see you again. As, as always, glad you and Richard got a chance to meet. And uh, thanks for uh, thanks for being on the show, Glenn. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me. Thanks, Glenn. Yeah.